0: Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's dot org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.
1: Am I on? I guess I am. Seeing his glory, there's nothing like that, huh? And hopefully, by the end of this service, we'll see that, we'll see his glory. Well, it is a beautiful day, and uh, so we'll start off this way. There was this little old lady, and she uh, moved into a house, and next to her was an atheist. And every morning, the little lady would go out into the porch, she would raise her arms, and she would say, praise the Lord. And... uh, You know, of course, the atheist Soon, that he got pretty irritated with that. And he started coming out after she would go, praise the Lord. He would come out and say, there is no Lord. And this went on for a couple of months. And then uh, one day the little old lady came out to the front porch. She raised her arms and she said, praise the Lord. But, oh, Lord, could you please provide for me? I'm starving. Oh, please hear my prayer. And sure enough, the next day, there were two full bags of groceries right there on her front porch. And she raises her hands and she says, Praise the Lord, the Lord has provided for me. And quickly the atheist ran out and he said, There is no Lord, I'm the one who brought the groceries. And the little old lady raised her hands and she said, Praise the Lord, he's provided for me and he even made the devil pay for it. That's faith, huh? Well, this morning we are going to conclude our study on the book of Philippians. And it's been a it's a great, great book. And I hope that you have truly appreciated the book of Philippians. It's a letter that you ought to read through numerous times. It will truly encourage you and encourage your faith. And this morning as we conclude our series in Philippians, I've entitled the message A Great Promise. A Great Promise. Lord, I just thank you for this beautiful day. It is truly a beautiful day. You've been giving us beautiful weather, and we're just so appreciative of that, Lord. Thank you. And I pray that uh, nothing else we would learn from the book of Philippians, how powerful it is when we just thank you, when we praise you, and we just give you thanks. You are worthy of that. And so I just ask this morning, Lord, that uh, you would come in a powerful way as we celebrate communion that you would just open our hearts up to you and what you would have. That you would just give us ears to hear what you have. And I do ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And I would truly speak your words. And I'm just thanking you for the fruit that will be born this morning. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Worry, anxiety, fear we all do it we all have it yet we saw a couple of months ago that it's actually sin for the christian to worry it sounds kind of harsh doesn't it jesus basically said it it's a sin for us to worry and the reason why it is really a sin for the believer to worry and to be anxious is because, at the very least, it shows that we are not believing and trusting in God with the details, with the circumstances of our lives. And more insidiously, one of the reasons why we worry and we have fear and we're anxious is because we've decided, you know, we want a certain outcome in a certain situation or we want something. And so we begin to manipulate God. And we begin to manipulate the people around us, right? not going to admit that, are you? But we do it. And the moment we begin manipulating and trying to manipulate God and trying to manipulate the people around us, it creates fear and it creates anxiousness within us. And we're not supposed to do that. In fact, the Apostle Paul says there's really no reason for the believer to live in fear and anxiety and worry, because in fact, we're going to see that God makes us a great promise. And so Skip, can you put up the final portion of scriptures in Philippians? It says this, As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from its glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus now all glory to God our father forever and ever amen give my greetings to each of God's holy people all who belong to Christ Jesus the brothers who are with me send you their greetings and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too especially those in Caesar's household may the grace of our lord Jesus Christ be with Your spirit. Now, let me just give you the scenario here. The scenario, really, of the letter of Philippians was Paul was a missionary. And this is really a thank you letter to the Philippian believers. And uh, you know, you see there that out of all the churches that Paul planted, the church at Philippi was the only one who gave him really financial support. And so this is your typical missionary letter. And he's really thanking the Philippians. And, but he does something unusual here. He gives them a blessing. Skip, can you put that up in 419? He says this. And the same God, so this is the blessing now he pronounces on the Philippians. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, first, I want you to please note, he says needs and not greed. He says needs and not greed, necessarily what I want. But this is a tremendous promise, because I want you to catch in generality what he's saying here. He's saying that when Frank Ray gives his money, and that's really what's being talked about here, all right? He says when Frank Ray gives his money, He's saying to the kingdom of God, and I'm doing it in faith. He's saying that God is going to make sure that all of my needs are met, that all of your needs are met. The spiritual axiom is true. You can never outgive God. You can never, never outgive God. And Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 6 through 10. Now, this is an important portion of scripture. He says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies the seed, and that's really money, to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, that is a fabulous, fabulous portion of Scripture. But, you know, unfortunately, at least in America, so many preachers and teachers twist these verses. And what they essentially do is they fleece the flock. They try to separate you from your money. In fact, you get the idea here by listening to many preachers and teachers that uh, the Apostle Paul is giving heaven's philosophy on financial investment. In fact, you know, one preacher, one television preacher, actually promised their audience this. Listen to this. If you give $1 for the gospel's sake, you will receive $100. Give ten dollars and you will receive a thousand dollars. Give a thousand dollars and you will receive one hundred thousand dollars. Give one house and receive one hundred houses, or one house worth one hundred times as much. Give one airplane and receive one hundred times the value of the airplane. Give one car and ret- and the return would furnish you with a lifetime of cars. Now I say, wow. Sign me up for that deal, don't you think? Huh? Wouldn't you like that kind of a deal? Now, you know, many of us who are working and the jobs that we have, they supply us with what's called a 401k plan, right? They give you a 401k plan. And the whole idea of the 401k plan is that you get part of your salary and also your work may contribute also to the 401k plan. And the whole idea is that when you retire, you'll have enough money to retire on. And as I understand it, the average 401k plan, depending on how the market's doing, might give you six to eight percent return on your investment, maybe even more. That's not too shabby. What many preachers though are saying here is that they, God is going to give you a hundred percent to a thousand percent return on your investment, on your tithe. You know, that's not too shabby, don't you think? So I'm going to give you a one-time deal here, all right? Because I'm feeling good this morning. What? You write me, I mean, I mean Bethlehem Community Church, a $10,000 check. And through Heaven's Investment Services, otherwise known as His, that $10,000 will be doubled into $20,000. Now, who doesn't want that deal? And if you're interested in that deal, see, Jeff Vestian's right there. Just see him after the service, and you know he will perform that little miracle for you. But I mean, seriously, if, if, if God was really making this kind of deal, and this is what was being talked about here, don't you think Warren Buffett would be a believer? I mean, forget the stock market. I mean, this is an incredible, incredible deal, but this is in, in no way at all you know what's being promised here. Now, you know. Many people, or some people, are beginning to be concerned, so I, I just want to get this out, that I'm kind of, you know, turning to the prosperity theology or the prosperity movement. And the reason for this is because they've been seeing me drive this. Skip, can you put up the picture? There it is. Now, now let me just give you the real story on the car here, all right, versus, you know, uh, what's not quite so true. About two months ago, Betty, Skip, can you put up the picture? There's Betty. Remember Betty? <laughs> Betty was, was, was Susan's car. And uh, she, uh, unfortunately, I mean, she was a beautiful car, a wonderful car, but she went to automobile heaven about two months ago. And so we were still kind of in need of a car, and me being sort of cheap, I didn't want to own a second car. I just really was not interested in having a second car. And so there was this person who had an extra car, and they were nice enough to lend me, their car. Skip, can you put the picture back up? That's Bert. Okay, we'll call it Bert. There was Betty, and, and, and now there's Bert. And yes, Bert is a Beamer. That is true. But just to clarify, it is a 1998 Beamer with 180,000 miles on it, okay? Now, now but many of you forget the spiritual axiom that I gave so many, many years ago. Now, I don't own Bert, and Bert really drives great. But guess what? You don't have to own it to enjoy it. You don't have to own it to enjoy it. And you know, so many of us in America think that in order to enjoy something, we have to own it. And we miss out so much on life of what God wants and has for us. All right, now that we've got kind of the silliness over, I want to, as we move towards communion, I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping. I do want to talk to you about what is God really promising to us here, all right? And he's really making a great promise to us. And much has been made known of the law of sowing and reaping, and rightly so. In fact, you know all of life, all of life is, applies, and sowing and reaping applies to everything that we do. For example, if you sow criticism, you will reap criticism from other people. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness from other people. This is called the law of the harvest. If you sow apple seeds, you're not going to reap pear trees. You're going to reap what? Apple trees. If you sow generously or generosity, you're going to reap generosity in your life and so in the scriptures that we looked at this morning God says that if I take the money by the way listen to this now very clearly if I take the money that he has given me if you look at those scriptures clearly who's giving you your money God (laughs) well I was kind of weak if you look at the scriptures clearly who's giving you your money do you believe that And so this is really important. So what God is saying here, if I take the money that he has given me, and I in faith, I in faith, you know what that means? How do you know you're giving money back to God in faith? You're giving it with a happy heart, hilariously, okay? That's how you know you're giving in faith, and that's what it means. He wants us to give in faith. So God says, if I take the money that he's given me, and I can give as much as I can in faith, that means with a happy heart. He makes two promises to me, all right? He makes two promises to you. The first promise he makes is this. He promises that he says that our need will be met. Isn't that a fabulous promise? He says that your need, my need will be met. You say, well, why would he do that? I'll tell you why he will do that. He will do that so that we can continue to expand and give to his kingdom and expand Jesus' kingdom. Do you understand that? In fact, he says this. Look at Philippians 4.19 or 419 again. He says this. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9 he says this in verse 8. Skip, can you put that up? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God wants us, by the way, he wants our lives to be purposeful. So he gives us money. He gives us the things that we have so that we now, see, what he really wants to find out is what are you going to do with it? What is Frank Ray going to do with it? And see, this is really what faith is. And he says, if you in faith can give with a happy heart and invest in my kingdom, I'm going to abound. I'm going to give liberally in your life so that you can continue doing that. So that's the first promise he makes. But he makes even a second and greater promise. Skip, can you put up the verses? Now he who supplies the seed that this is clearly money, okay? So he who supplies the money to the sower and bread uh, for food will also supply. Now watch this. And increase your store of seed. This is where the prosperity preachers get this. And increase your store of money and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I'm not going to deny, by the way, that if you're able in faith to sow liberally into the kingdom of God, that he will increase your money because you're being faithful. But it's really to miss the point of the passage What he's really saying is this. God gives each one of us a certain amount of money, a certain amount of time. And when I fully understand that, it's really a trust factor. Because, you see, you can never outgive God. You can never out-get God. So it's, this is really a trust thing. So what he's saying is, it's Frank Ray's giving a certain amount of money. And if I in faith, and the faith, again, is if you can give hilariously, you know, if you're putting that thing in the offering plate or you're giving to some ministry or whatever, and you're doing it grudgingly, don't even waste your time. That's what it's saying here. Don't even waste your time. So this is the important point, that you can actually do it because what you're doing is you're trusting God. You're trusting God when, when, when you give your money. I'm going to explain to that in a moment. And yes, if you're faithful with the little that God gives you, he will give you more. But By the way, here's where the prosperity people make a mistake. See, they think the extra money they can spend on themselves, more cars, more houses, more boats, whatever. That's wrong. Because you see, it's not their money. It's God's money, and God is trying to see what will you do with the extra money that he gives you. And you see, the person of faith recognizes what really matters is the kingdom of God. So you take the extra money that he gives you, and you reinvest it in his kingdom. And you do, har- you do harvest something. You do reap something. It's not really more money. What do you reap? Righteousness. Righteousness is what you and I will reap. This is extremely important. And there's two aspects to this righteousness now. The first aspect is this. Now, listen to this. Jesus Christ said, You cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Do you know the greatest competitor to God, the greatest idol that we have is money? No, money is the great competitor to God. And you know what happens when you give money? No, your flesh screams. Come on, be honest. See, something happens when all of a sudden I write that check and our flesh begins to scream, but that's good because you know what you're doing? You're killing your flesh. And you know what happens when you kill your flesh? You allow the Holy Spirit to be released in your life and you begin to experience love. And more joy, and more peace, and more patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self control. So you reap a supernatural harvest of spiritual fruit. See, that's righteous fruit. So the first righteousness that you reap is righteous fruit. So when I give, and let me tell you, it's hard, especially for Americans. We love our money. You know why we love our money? Because it's security. No, no, it's security. And we'd rather trust in our money than in God. We'd rather trust in our money rather than God. And so when you write that checkout or you give the cash or whatever you do, you're really shaking your security, what your flesh wants to put their trust its trust in. And now you begin to really trust in God. You, you really begin to see, you know what? Will God take care of me? Will God really take care of me? And see, now you're in the place to really see a miracle in your life. The second righteousness uh, that you will reap is, you know, when you give to a particular, if you give to the church here, or you give to a particular ministry, and I'm talking about a ministry that is clearly preaching the gospel, you know what happens? What you're doing is you're sowing into souls, So let's say you sow into a particular ministry here at the church. Let's say in in, in India we have Pastor Samuel and some 50 pastors, and you sow money into that ministry. And Pastor Samuel and those pastors, they see maybe 100 souls be won to Christ that year. Guess what? Guess who won those souls? You were part of it. See, you sowed into their ministry. See, you're sowing something Eternal. So when, when, when you sow into another ministry, when you sow into God's kingdom or Jesus' kingdom, you're not only seeing a reaping of souls, but you also encourage believers. Do you know when you give to like the city rescue mission? Do you know what you're doing? You're encouraging those men. You're encouraging those people that, that are in need right there. When we, when we give to, to the hill towns up there, you're encouraging those people. And they begin to what? They begin to praise God. They begin to glorify God. And you know what you reap? On judgment day, when you stand at the beam of seed of Christ, it says that you will receive the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteous acts. Isn't that mind-boggling? So you reap two ways. You reap when I give, when I give liberally. It's not so much that I'm going to reap money, but I'm going to reap the fruit of the Spirit, Supernatural fruit, and I'm going to reap the crown of righteous acts. Isn't that something? So as we move now towards communion, you know, communion is really about Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one, right? Amen. You know, we, we were just doing the Jesus Soda survey today in, or yesterday in Glenmont. And, you know, it is truly amazing, you know, how many people think that they're good. And then you'll remind them, you'll say, well, what do you do about your sin problem? What do you do with all of the wrong things that you've done? And, you know, they go, well, well, I just, you know, you know, uh, you know, God just kind of, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll just kind of forgive those. And I'll say, well, he can. But, you know, it cost him a lot to forgive. See, God just doesn't wave a magic wand over your sin and my sin. That is not true. He does not just wave a magic wand over your sin and my sin. It costs him. On the cross, it cost him his blood. It cost him his blood to make you righteous and to make me righteous. You see, when I place my faith in Jesus Christ, he not only forgives me of my sin through his blood, but you know what else he does? His righteousness is imputed to you. His righteousness is imputed to you. His righteousness is imputed to me. And you are now, the moment you die, viewed perfect by the Father in heaven, just as a thief on the cross was. So when you think of communion this morning, at least, recognize that it's all about righteousness. And ultimately, the righteousness of God comes from Jesus Christ. He can make you righteous, and he gives you the power, and me the power, to do righteous acts. Skip, can you play the video? That's a great song to end on. Oh, happy day. And it is a happy day. Isn't it? When we experience our sins being washed away. Amen. Huh? I can't think of anything greater than that. And I pray that's true in your life. If it's not. We'll be up here after the service, and we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. (laughs) He can give you life like nothing else can. Well, it's a special week for us. This Tuesday night, uh, we not only do signs uh, at the Four Corners, but at 6 o'clock, they're actually going to be having national night out uh, at Elm Avenue Park, and the Jesus Soda Survey is going to be part of that. And, uh, so we're going to be there. We want to invite you to be there. It's just a great opportunity to get out and see, you know, much of our community kind of rub shoulders. And so I just want to invite you to that. And then also next Saturday, Jesus Soda Surveys in two different places. One of them for sure is in beautiful downtown Kosaki by the river, the river fest. So we're going to be down there. So if you're in that region, really want to invite you to that. So, uh. Just a couple reminders, and I believe the chair stay down. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, and I pray that you do have a happy heart. You should have a happy heart because you have Jesus in your heart. God bless you and take care.